hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. The executive summary of last week's show, in case you missed it, a little too far, a little too fast. If you sat down on April 1st and you had made a wish list of what you wanted from the market for the month, you probably got more than what you wrote down. And that's because the markets had their best monthly performance in about 30 years. The S&P for the month was up more than 12.5%. The Dow was up 11%. And the NASDAQ was up 15.5% for the month. According to routers, it was the third best month for the S&P since World War II. And the Dow, well, it had its best month in 33 years. While the market was headed higher, the economy was turning tail and headed in the opposite direction. And we knew it was coming. GDP for the first quarter, GDP is the gross domestic product, or as I like to say, the value of all finished goods and services produced. Well, the value of all the finished goods and services produced fell nearly eight five uh, percent on an annualized basis. And that's the worst number we've seen since 2008. And it's going to get worse. I don't need my trusty magic eight ball to tell me this. It's just common sense. The first quarter, uh, first quarter contraction that we saw reflected closures that started in March. So about halfway through the quarter. This current quarter, well, we're going to get the full dose of shutdown. And it seems to me that after this big run up off the bottom, best month that we've had in about 30 years, the market is pricing in a lot of good news and not enough of the potential bad news. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to go significantly lower from here, but it would make sense that after this big meal, eh, well, we might want to just push back from the table a bit, loosen our belt, and take some time to digest. With that said, I do think that we are higher 12 months from now. Why? Well, the government is spending like there's no tomorrow. I mean, it's approaching what you would see during wartime. We're talking World War time. And to put it in perspective, during World War I, the U.S. spent about 25% of GDP. During World War II, we spent about 40% of GDP. Now, for now, the estimates of our spending is for about 35% of GDP. So that's more than we did during World War I and slightly less than what we spent during World War II. And the banks are open for business. Central bank, that is. They're using all the tools in the toolbox and some that aren't even in there. Now, the question is, when do we get back to business? Some states are starting to open, but it's slow going. And part of it's going to be up to the consumer. A big part of it's going to be up to the consumer. Just because businesses can open doesn't necessarily mean people are going to start rushing back out to spend and patronize these businesses. I walked past the TV yesterday and I had to do a double take. I usually have on CNBC or Bloomberg uh, on and the sound turned down. But I, I saw a headline that said Carnival Cruise Lines is going to phase in cruises again starting August 1st. That's right. They're planning on having eight ships 
leave from Miami, Cape Canaveral, Galveston, Texas. I've never been on a cruise. It's just not my thing. And I'm not starting now. You will not find me on one of these eight cruises, even if they paid me. Well, I don't want to say never, but I'm pretty sure Carnival is not going to hit my price to be able to do it. Just because they're open doesn't mean I'm going. Okay. One of the main purposes of this show is to give you folks some concrete ideas that you can take away and do your own research on. You always have to do your own research. If you're looking for a conservative value manager to help you with your planning and investing, well, please consider us. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit us at xmlfg.com. Okay, where am I looking now? Well, I'm always looking to buy my core type stocks. And let me clarify that. I have three different types of stocks that I buy. The cores, the long-term trades, and what I call the others. The core stocks are the ones that I want to own forever. There aren't many companies that fall into this category. The bar is set pretty high. Obviously, has to be a high-quality business. has to be run by good managers. But they also have to be sustainable, not open to obsolescence. Think about it. Around the turn of the last century, wouldn't have done you any good to invest in the best buggy whip manufacturer in the country because Henry Ford was just setting up shop at that time. Think about it. Berkshire Hathaway, symbol BRK. We buy the B share, so it's BRKB. Well, they own Geico car insurance. I love the car insurance business. I don't know what you're going to be driving or flying in 10, 20, 30 years from now, but I'm pretty confident that whatever it is, is you're going to need insurance on it. Think about that for a minute. What a great business that is. You write a check, you send it into them every six months or so, and then you get in your car and you drive around and you desperately are trying not to have an accident. And if you're successful, and I hope you are, they, they get to keep your money. If you have a fender bender five years from now, well, then they'll pay for the damage. But they had free use of your money for five years. I think that's a great business. That's a core type business, one that you need every day. And that's what separates a core holding from a longer term trade. Longer term trades are stocks I typically want to own for one to five years. And it's because these types of businesses are more cyclical in nature. They go up, they go down. There are times when you buy them and times when you sell them. And a good example of this are the home builders or the oil stocks. They go through boom and bust cycles. I always want to have a good hunk of my portfolio in the core stocks or the close to core stocks. So assuming I don't own any of them, I'd be willing to buy a little at almost any time, really. And the reason I'll do that is because my anticipated holding period is so long. Over the next 20 years, buying Berkshire now at 180 versus maybe waiting till it's 170 isn't going to be all that significant. Whereas if I'm only going to own it until next May, well, that 10 points of difference probably is going to mean something major to me at the end. So I'm always a buyer of the cores, the things like the Berkshire Hathaways. Like I said, BRK, we buy the B share, so it's BRKB. Pepsi, Johnson & Johnson, U.S. Bank Corps, 
symbol USB. And I mentioned I like the cyclicals too. One of my favorites there is CarMax. I don't think I've talked about this one in a long time. CarMax has a pretty unique business model. And there's been a few good companies that have come along and tried to replicate what CarMax has done, but they haven't been quite able to pull it off. CarMax is the nation's largest used car retailer. And they go out and they buy used cars and they recondition them. And then they sell them in the used car markets, mostly the retail. The cars that they don't meet the the cars that don't meet the CarMax standard, well, what they do is they sell them off through wholesale auctions. And the mix is about 85% retail and about 15% wholesaling. And there are several reasons why I like CarMax. One is when you walk in, you get this transparent car buying experience. I hate going to the car dealer because I'm afraid I'm going to be spending hours in there with the salesperson running back and forth, checking with their manager and blah, 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 blah. I like the experience of CarMax. When I go in there, it's straightforward. It's easy. There's no endless haggling over price. You have a quick trade-in. You have appraisals, and they make an offer on every appraisal they do. It's just a totally different experience. And I think that they have a superior business model when you compare it to their competitors. And the second reason Right now, they're in about 55 U.S. markets, and they estimate that they have about 5% of the market share in the markets that they serve. So what I'm saying is, is they have a lot of opportunity to expand. I think they're only halfway built out across the U.S., so they could maybe double their locations over the next several years. They only have about 3% of the total market share, and they're capturing an ever-increasing share of the markets that they're in. So I like that. The third reason is that they're profitable in every market that they're in. So they have this replicable, scalable business model. This past weekend, Barron's did a piece on one of their uh, competitors, Carvana. And they noted that Carvana, which is symbol CVNA, their stock has just positively soared. It got up to $95 after they announced a big capital raise. Now the stock is about $86. And at $86, that gives Carvana a market cap worth about oh, $13 billion. And I agree with Barron's that that's a pretty generous number because when you compare them to CarMax, CarMax did five times Carvana's revenue five times their revenue last year, and they earned twice as much as the unprofitable Carvana lost. Yet CarMax's, well, with their stock at $73, it gives them a smaller market cap at $12 billion. So Carvana is much is bigger than CarMax. It makes no sense. The only way that makes sense is if you think Carvana is going to grow significantly and rapidly. And I don't think that's going to be the case. When I look at CarMax, I see a stock that, well, when the war uh, world was more normal, stock was trading around $100. I think the world will look more normal than it does now in about a year. And CarMax earnings will come back. If it takes a couple of years for the stock to get back to 100, I'm okay with that too. Going from $73 where the stock is now to 100, well, that's a 37% gain. If it takes two years, well, that's still 18% a year. 
Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But I think CarMax, symbol KMX, is a relative bargain here. Okay, so I've run out of time. Let me wrap this up. We'll be back next Wednesday. Until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.